It's time for my annual trip to the gym. You only go once a year? Yep. Arrive. Have no clue what to do. Try some random exercises. Leave. That's it. You should try FitBod. It's an app that builds a workout routine just for you, based on your goals, fitness level, and equipment. And a whole year of FitBod costs less than one session with a trainer. Wow. This has already been my most productive gym trip yet. Download FitBod today and get a 14-day free trial plus 25% off your subscription when you go to fitbod.me slash getfit. Every business wants to engineer new possibilities, creating revenue, optimizing costs, and scaling technologies like cloud and AI. Start at Deloitte.com slash US slash cloud and find the services you need to get the value you seek. Deloitte. Welcome to the Fandrax Toolshed. If you love Dynasty Leagues and prospects, you came to the right place, because that's what this show is all about. Covering the majors and all levels of the minor leagues to give you the leg up in your Dynasty Leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. All right, Dynasty and prospect fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 27 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have a really fun episode in store for you all today. But before we get into the episode, we have a roster announcement to make. After being placed on the paternity list earlier in the week, Chris Clegg, a.k.a. Mr. Proud Papa, is being activated without missing a start, or in this case, a podcast. Chris, man, welcome to fatherhood, bud. How are you doing? Oh man, thanks so much. I'm doing well. I'm a little tired, but we're we're getting there. We're getting through. It's been fantastic, and uh, it's good to be back from the paternity list. Happy to be back, even though we didn't miss, <laughs> like you said, didn't miss a start. So we're doing pretty good. That Got is a three, dedication right there. Three day old, but hey, we're we're doing great. The the next top prospect, Hayden Clegg, <laughs> to go along with Brady Cross. But yeah, I, I like I like to think that you and your wife arranged it this way. You're like, all right, let's go in middle of the week a tool shed podcast here i know that's not how and, I, and that's not the reasoning but i like to think that you're just that dedicated that you would plan your the birth of your child around podcasts but oh, yeah. yeah of course that's awesome man happy so happy for you um thank you said, fatherhood's the best thing i ever did with my life and you know i'm a dad above all else so i'm happy that you and your wife have started your family as well um some of the housekeeping here before we get into our show you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at AirCross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Please subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or on your preferred podcasting platform. Those ratings and reviews mean a lot. And please check out our Patreon for extra written content from both of us, bonus podcasts, private Discord access, access to our live prospect and dynasty rankings, custom rankings, and much more. These perks are available across four different tiers, starting at just $5.00. Or if you just want to thank and support Chris and I, you can do so for just $1 a month. Sign up today at patreon.com slash toolshed and make sure to head on over to fantraxhq.com for all the great content we have pumping out there every single day and check out all the other great shows on the network, including my other show, Five Tool and SP Streamer, three great baseball podcasts to help you each week. All right, let's get into this week's episode. Last week, we went through our top position players at every position five years out, and now we're going to do the same with pitchers, ranking our top 50 pitchers five years out with some dark horse picks added in as well. These are all purely speculative, obviously, but it's certainly a fun exercise looking into the future, 
And this could be especially helpful for someone rebuilding for the future that isn't going to be contending for a few years. These are some guys you try to trade for. Uh, so hopefully this helps somebody out there. Uh, that's always what we try to do here is be as helpful as possible. So let's get right into it. So we're going to break this up kind of into four different segments here. We'll do our top 10, a little bit of discussion, 11 through 20, a little more discussion, 21 through 35, and then 36 through 50. And there are some notable omissions and dark horses in at the end. Um, but let's get right into it, Chris. Who is your top 10 five years out? All right. So Shane Bieber checks in at one. He's currently my number one. So can't really go wrong there. So young, so talented. And I think that he sticks and keeps that spot. Seeing no reason why he should falter off. So Shane Bieber at one, Walker Bueller at two, Corbin Burns three, Garrett Cole at four, Lucas Giolito at five, Brandon Woodruff six, Tyler Glasnow seven, Zach Gallen eight, Jacob DeGrom nine, and Aaron Nola rounding out the top 10. What about you? What's your top 10? I am have the same exact top three, slightly different order. I have Bieber at one. Like you mentioned, he's only 26 right now, and he'll be 31 when we get to this, you know, mythical point here we're talking about. And I think like the age 30, 31, 32 range kind of equates to like the 26, 27, 28 range for hitters, where I don't think of him as that old. Like I don't think of a 31-year-old pitcher as being that old. Like think of 31-year-old hitter. I'm like, okay, that's a little older, but you know, these pitchers are still very much in their primes then. Um, so I don't think he'll have any fall off and he'll still be absolutely dominant. So he's my number one. Uh, my two and three from you is flip-flop. I have Corbin Burns, two. Walker Bueller at three. And after three is where it got really interesting for me. I have Jacob DeGrom, four. Garrett Cole, five. Zach Gallon six. Mackenzie Gore, seven. Ian Anderson, eight. Lucas Giolito, nine. And my boy, Nate Pearson at ten. Let's start with, with Jacob DeGrom here because I have him four. You have him nine. He was really hard to rank for me because DeGrom is already 32. He'll be 37 here. So ranking a 37-year-old as number four pitcher is a little risky. I get that. But I kept him at four just because he doesn't have the innings of a 32-year-old. He has the innings of like a 27, 28-year-old. That's kind of how I thought of it. So I don't think he'll be you know, like, you know, Clayton Kershaw falling off or Max Scherzer or Felix Hernandez, someone like that when when he's 37. But I think he'll be kind of equate to being like a 33, 34-year-old at that point because like you mentioned the innings aren't there. He just seems to get stronger and stronger with every single season that passes to the point where he's striking out like 14 every start now. Like his, his uh, start against the Red Sox the other day, he didn't have his ace. I was watching that game. He didn't have his A stuff. He probably had his B minus stuff. He still went six innings. He had one run, nine Ks. Like that was a down Jacob DeGrom starting a slow 1.5 ERA, you know, one and a half Ks per nine um, or case burning, I should say. So with me, I still had confidence he'll be a top five arm. What was your kind of mindset going through where you ranked Jacob DeGrom just due to the, the age, the innings, and everything going on with him? Yeah, I think you bring up a valid point because the innings are so low. He's got uh, 1,204 career innings under his belt. And when you think about, you know, that's not really much at all. So 37-year-old currently, Zach Granke, has almost 3,000 innings. Verlander, 2988, he's the most active innings. And then you look at guys like, all right, so Madison Bumgarner, who's 31, he has 1918 innings. So 1918 innings, that's pretty I mean, see, when you see this in speculation and compare it to 
DeGrom, he's doing really good in comparison. And you look at some of the guys that are close to him on active innings pitched, and you, you've got Bauer, who's three years younger, who's ahead of him, actually. You know, Corbin's Patrick Corbin's ahead of him, and he's younger. Chris Archer, who seems like he should be older than Jacob DeGrom, has more innings. So, you know, <laughs> when you look at the mileage on his arm, it's, it's not that much. And like you've mentioned, he's gotten stronger every season. He continues to get better. And I see no reason that'll slow down. And with like Max Scherzer, for instance, I think even to like up to last year, I think we valued him as probably a top 10 dynasty arm, even though he was getting older and up there. And he's tailed off a little bit, but he's had some injuries, some other things that have kind of hampered him. But I see DeGrom sustaining. It's hard to say like, as a dynasty pitcher, we'll be able to rank him this high then, but I think he can still pitch to this caliber five years down the road. I think he's more than capable of it. Yeah, absolutely agree. And kind of have the same mindset with Garrett Cole. Uh, he's he's a, about a year and a half or so younger, a little more mileage though on that arm, but just with how much of a workhorse he's been, I kind of feel like he's the next, you know, like Max Scherzer. That's still going to be absolutely dominant. at age 34, 35, 36. Are, are you kind of in the same line of thinking? Yeah, I think so too. I mean, you look at Cole's been particularly good and he's gotten better as his career's gone on. He has the stuff that can really sustain. So now I'm not worried about him tailing off either. He's got more innings under his belt than DeGrom, but again, not overly worried. I think that he can sustain. He'll be 35, like you mentioned, five years down the road. I still see him being a solid arm and I see no reason why he shouldn't be a top 10 arm at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just, he's just such a workhorse and, you know, clean mechanics, you know, clean everything with him, the fluid motions. I just don't see any tail off with Garrett Cole. I think he's just going to be an absolute stud year in, year out for at least next five. Maybe he'll start tailing off years six and seven from now when he's 37, 38, kind of like Scherzer has a little bit. Even though Scherzer's still pretty damn good. But yeah, I don't anticipate Cole falling off much at all. You know, maybe he's, a back end top 10 arm at worst. I just don't see him falling any lower than that. Uh, a couple other interesting names here. A uh, first for me um, that I had that Chris did not uh, three in particular. I have Mackenzie Gore seven Ian Anderson, eight and Nate Pearson at 10 uh, Pearson. Obviously I've been higher on than most, but I just see if he can stay healthy, which obviously that has been, uh, an issue, <laughs> um, various injuries he's coming back from a groin issue. Now he's had a broken forearm. If, as long as he can stay healthy, the stuff, the two double plus pitches, the, he has the elite strikeout stuff to be a top 10 type of fantasy arm, 30 plus percent K rate. He was, oh, I think over 32% in the minor leagues, you know, double, double plus fastball, double plus slider, you know, change up and curveball at least average flash above at times. So if he can, especially if he can ha- kind of harness those other two offerings more, and maybe he develops one and two a plus third pitch, maybe the changeup, we'll say. Uh, I think he'll definitely be up there. And I think he can be, if he can get past his health issues, I think he can be a potential work. He has a workhorse type of frame. He's a very, very strong frame, very athletic frame. So I think he could be that type of top 10 arm. And then for you, Chris, you have... Uh, Tyler Glasnow in here. It's kind of the same thing, like elite stuff. And we've we talked about Glasnow a lot, but are you confident that he'll be able to get enough innings every year and stay healthy enough to kind of achieve top 10 status year in, year out? I think so. And I think 
you know, when we're looking five years down the road, I think it's easy to project. It's hard to project injuries. You know, Glassnell's had an injury history. He's had, you know, lower innings count, which, you know, is concerning. But I'm hoping that he can put that past him. I mean, the stuff this year has been absolutely incredible. The jump that he's made has been absolutely stellar. And I think that continues. I, I really do. And he's still young. I mean, currently right now he's 27. So he'll finish out this year. and He'll turn 28 at the end of the season. So I think he's more than capable of sustaining this kind of performance at a high level, especially, you know, he's got a solid frame as long as he can stay healthy. The arm is good. You know, the the only worry is guys that throw the fastball that hard can potentially see some injuries. And I hope that, you know, that won't be the thing with glass now, but the talent level is more than there. He's more than capable of doing this. And I mean, I think I've got him as a top 10 dynasty arm right now and don't see a reason to not have him in the top 10 moving forward, especially five years down the road, even, even at his age. And if he, if he'll be 33, then yeah, not overly, or he'll be 32. Then I'm not overly worried about it. Yeah, no, I, I can never see that. Uh, lastly here in this section, I put Mackenzie Gore at seven. That was a tough ranking. He was one of the more tougher pitchers to rank here. So we've heard some things about, I mean, he had the yips, but then that wasn't really backed up and, uh, it sounds more like it's some mechanical issues here, a little bit of command and control issues. But at the same time, when you are when you are when you were a plus command plus control type, what does command and control issues mean? That you're just average in those now? Like, I don't think all of a sudden he's like below average, can't find the zone. Like, I don't think this is like a force Whitley situation here. Um, so I'm I'm still confident in Mackenzie Gore. Long-term item seven, I won't give it away, but Chris has him in the next section we'll be talking about here. You know, are you just long-term, are you concerned about Gore or do you think he's just going to figure it out? I'm not. I mean, he was one of the best high school pitchers that we've ever seen. Then in the minor leagues, he was absolutely dominant. I'm not overly concerned. I would, if you're listening and you're nervous about the report about the yips, please take that with a grain of salt. And I hate to say that, but there was no kind of backing of that. And more the more I've listened to people talk, the more it's just struggling with command. So take the yips with a grain of salt, throw it out of your brain. Struggles with command is fine because at one point he was like a 70 grade command type pitcher. And right. so, like you said, what what does that mean? Does that mean he's like looking like average command? Is he struggling a little bit? You know, that's okay. He can get that back. And I think this minor league season will kind of be telling. I think it'll give him a chance to rebound and get back on track. So, no, I'm not overly concerned. I think he'll rebound. And if you're listening to this, please just calm down. Take a breath. He'll be fine. Don't go sell low on him. We've gotten so many questions about this. Take your time with him. And Dynasty League is about the long haul. You don't sell low on a pitcher like this who's got elite upside just because of report that I don't. I won't even say is 100% true. So take it with a grain of salt. Take a deep breath. He'll be okay. Let him earn some value back. If you, if you want to trade him, don't trade him now. That's all I'm saying. No, I totally agree. And, and a young pitcher dealing with some command issues, that's not, you know, that's very common. That's not out of the, that's not very out there for something to happen like that. Like, and so a lot of these names we're talking about tonight have gone through their command and control issues that they've had to work through. Corbin Burns had to work through those. Ian Anderson had to work through those. You know, guys like that. Tyler Glass now has had to work through those. So it is not that uncommon for a young pitcher to be going through these types of issues at some point. And McGore is still only, what, 21? I don't know if he's even 22 yet. I'm looking up right now. If he's 22, it's not. He just turned 22. 
and he is okay. He is 22, so he's still very young. And San Diego hasn't really had to rush him because they've had so many other options at the major league level. So everyone's like, "Oh, where's Mackenzie Gore?" And getting worried about him, thinking that this, you know, there's something more that is not being said here. I just don't think they want to rush him. So again, I completely agree with everything Chris just said. You know, don't sell him right now. If you can buy low, absolutely do so because. I think Mackenzie Gore is going to be just fine. And I think my ranking of him here inside my top 10 kind of set, kind of backs that up. All right, moving on to 11 through 20. So my 11 through 20 here is Tyler Glasnow, Brandon Woodruff, Aaron Nola, Shohei Otani, who was probably the hardest one to rank on this entire list at 14, Jesus Lazardo, 15, Sixto Sanchez, 16, Dustin May, 17, who unfortunately just got injured today. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, 18, or yesterday, excuse me, uh, Alcantara, 18, Matt Manning, 19, and Jack Flaherty at 20. Chris, what's your 11 through 20 here? Well, I'm starting out with with Jack Flaherty at 11, Trevor Bauer at 12, which was another tough one to rank, Gore at 13, like I mentioned, not concerned, Jack Leiter at 14, Max Meyer at 15, Ian Anderson, 16th, Jesus Lazardo, 17th, 18, Sandy Alcantara, same rankings there. George Kirby at 19, and Shohei Otani rounding out at number 20. Let's start with Otani because we both kind of said that he was incredibly hard to rank. And let me just put this, you know, asterisk out there, a caveat, whatever. I'm ranking him as a dual eligible player. I know some of you out there, you know, have him, you know, on Yahoo, for instance, or I think ESPN has the same, or, or CBS, I forget as two different players, I'm ranking him here as a dual eligible player. If he was pitcher only, he'd be much lower because I'm so, I'm so worried about his command and control, um, which has not gotten better during his time in the States has maybe even gotten worse. Like this year, he has a 21% walk rate this year, even in his rookie year where it was the best it's ever been. It was 10.4%, which is still kind of not when you get up over 10, that's when it starts getting a little worrisome. So he was really tough to rank here. It kind of what did you what went into your process, Chris, for ranking Otani? Is are, are you as concerned about his command and control? Like if he was pitcher only, where would you have him? Would you have him would he even make your top fifty? I don't know. We kind of discussed this before we started recording. I initially did not have him ranked from just a pure pitcher standpoint, because I do have concerns that he actually stays on the mound long term. He's He's elite. Like he's an elite athlete. He's an elite baseball player. He's fantastic at doing both things. But I'm wondering if doing both things is hindering him from, you know, becoming elite at just one. And I think that one would be hitting. He's only thrown 13 innings this year. The numbers are are fine. I mean, he has a 3290 ERA, which is great. Like you mentioned, the command controls not really there. He's almost walking a batter per inning which is rough and it's holding down his whip. The strikeout rate is is really good at 37%. So things you like to see, but I, honestly, he might be a great reliever. Like, could he be a closer, hit the whole game, and then close out the game in the ninth? Like, he's got the stuff for it, and I, it wouldn't surprise me if he could really excel in that role. And I don't know. It's tough. Like you said, we ranked him from the standpoint of a dual-eligible player, not just pitcher only. He does have upside as a pitcher, but he's got a lot of more upside hitting in my opinion. I mean, you look at what he's done this year and he's got eight home runs and four stolen bases, a 271 average. It's quite impressive over 102 plate appearances. So you got to love that. 
And I don't know. I, I could see them just making him a hitter long term, but I think they want to try as long as they can for a dual eligible player. So we'll see how it ends up. I really have no clue. Like five years out on him, five years out is hard to predict on a lot of guys, and especially somebody like this. So it makes it tough. He's capable of being a starter, but who even knows? You know, that makes it tough. Yeah, you look at the stats this year, 13 walks, six hits allowed. I don't remember, I don't think, honestly, I don't think for any starter, I don't think there's ever been a season where a starter allowed twice as many walks as they did hits. And that's even uncommon to have a a pitcher allow more walks than hits in general. And that might happen this year with Otani. He's walking nearly a batter batter per inning, 13 and 13 and two-thirds. Yeah, he's only is he still has an ERA of 3.29. Like imagine if he if that command and control just improved to even where it was back in his rookie year when that walk rate was a hair above 10%. He'd be so damn good. And I forget someone said I I gotta go back and try to find the, the quote I saw a few days ago that someone basically said that Otani has the same type of upside on the mound as Jacob deGrom if he had better command and control. Um, I don't fully agree with that, but I kind of can see where that person, again, I forget who it was, um, was coming from is because the pure stuff, like the splitter is filthy, you know, the fastball velocity, the breaking pitches, they're all very, very good. If you could just kind of harness them more, he'd be definitely highly effective pitcher, but that just hasn't really happened since his rookie year. And even like I said, even then it wasn't that great. So yeah, he's definitely one of the more interesting ones here to rank a few other here that were intriguing from this range. Um, positively though, got two guys that you have in this range. I have in the next range, but we'll talk about them here. Um, as we, we have a lot more talking points in the next range, Jack lighter, you have at 14 and then George Kirby for you snuck in at 19. Let's start with lighter here, who obviously is the, you know, Probably the number one pick in this upcoming year's draft. You got to figure after he gets drafted, probably, you know, probably won't take too long to get to the major leagues. So at this point, he'll probably be in year three, year two, year three, something like that. So you have a, you're pretty confident that he can be a fantasy ace within the first couple of years of his career. Why is that? I mean, you just look at the stuff. You look at his fastball, which I think is arguably a 70-grade pitch, and you look at just kind of the some of the parts. I mean, there's some command concerns. I wouldn't say there's big command concerns here, but he's just uber-talented. You know, he gave up two home runs the other day to Judd Fabian, which I think goes to show you Fabian's skill level, who who struggled this year. Fabian's had some real, some real struggles this year. But Leiter's insanely talented. I mean, even after... I wouldn't say a rough start. His numbers are still right in line with with Kumar Rocker, who's the other top college arm in this class. Where you know he's more than capable of going one overall as well. But Leiter, just when you look at him, he's got the pedigree. When he, he's got the bulldog mentality on the mound, he has everything that you want to see, and he does it really well. There, people will tell you they're concerned about his frame. I'm not worried about his frame at all because you see pitchers that are six foot tall that excel all the time. And I think that he's definitely capable of doing that. You know, he's got a great arsenal. I mentioned the fastball being a arguably a 70 grade pitch, which was up from last year. Like I already liked lighter over rocker prior to the season, but when he's added that velocity to his fastball, man, it's hard to argue with, with what he's done and what he can do. 
and he's a little younger. I mean, he's he just turned 21, so it'll be interesting. He's a draft eligible sophomore this year. So, how much of a fast track will he be on? Like I said, I think Eric said he's more than capable of being in year two or three at this point. So look at Max Meyer from last year's draft class. They're starting him out in Double A, which is awesome to see. You know, they're yeah. being really aggressive with him, and I don't see why they wouldn't be. You know, whoever, assuming Leiter goes one. Who knows? I mean, I think he's more than capable of really taking that step and being an ace pretty early on in his career. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't have lighter too much further down on my list. And one guy that, you know, I, I'm trying to think of a comp for, for Jack Leiter. This isn't a perfect comp. I don't, think there's, I don't think there are any perfect comps out there. Let me just say that. But one guy that I kind of see a little bit of, in him, Walker Bueller, you know, another former Vanderbilt guy. Obviously, with Bueller, the breaking stuff is obviously a little more developed um, than Lighter at this point. I think Bueller had better breaking stuff back then, but I think if Lighter can kind of take that breaking stuff to the next level, I think you could see another Walker Bueller type. And Bueller's not that big either. I think he's got an inch or two on Lighter. I think Bueller's like six one, six two, but he's not a big guy. He's not like Garrett Cole, Lance Lynn. You know, Clayton Kershaw type size guy. He's one, you know, on the smaller side or, you know, a little over six feet. So, um, but still, this, the, the arm motion, arm speed, I should say. I should kind of see that same thing with Bueller as I do with Jack Leiter. So, <clears throat> definitely like that a lot here. Um, you know, who he's very similar to is Sonny Gray, who's also another Vanderbilt product. That They're is, yeah. Very similar. Those, They've got a similar wind up and, you know, those Vandy guys. Yep. They just they're just built different there. It's a pitching factory yep. <laughs> in Vanderbilt. Listen, uh, David Price came out of yep. Vanderbilt. Uh, I'm sure there's like a hundred more. I'm forget, forgetting off the top of my head, but yeah. um, Vanderbilt is factory. Absolutely, and on you know obviously that Bueller got into a great system with the Dodgers, and we'll see if Letter goes one. That means he's going to Pittsburgh. Uh, so not as great of a system, but on the up and up. So. Uh, hopefully they don't screw him up. <laughs> that would be unfortunate if they screwed yeah. up Jack Leiter or, you know, screwed him up and then traded them away. And then he becomes an ace like every other Pittsburgh Pirates pitching prospect that gets traded away does. And like Joe, Joe Musgrove and Garrett Cole and um, who else? There's another one. Nah, I forget. Glass now. Glass now. Thank you. I was, I was new. I was like, there was three of them. I was forgetting glass now. Um, yeah. Everyone that gets traded out of Pittsburgh just gets 100 times better. Or just because they get to a system that realizes how to use them is probably the uh, better way to put it there. Um, another one here you had at 19, George Kirby. I so wanted to put Kirby higher than I did. And I'm not going to give away my Kirby ranking here. Um, so I have him in the next group. I wanted to put him a lot higher because if anybody could be the next Bieber, and this again, this is not a direct comp. It's going to be Kirby when you have that type of stuff, that type of command and control profile. The sky is the limit. So I almost hate myself for not ranking him higher than I did. Um, but you're all in on George Kirby here. So with with Kirby, he'll probably be in year at least four, he'll probably maybe be up this year, if not in 2022 in the early part of that season. Do you think there's even that a next level? Do you think he could be a fantasy ace by this point in time? I think he could. Yeah, th there's definitely an argument for it. I'm kind of disappointed that the Mariners are starting him out in high A. He's 23. Yeah, that was kind of odd. That was yeah, really odd. Yeah, he, you know, he, 
I, I get that he's behind Gilbert. Like I thought he was maybe six months to a year behind Gilbert, but Gilbert's in AAA, Kirby down in high A. I don't love it, but maybe he just dominates and works his way up pretty quick. I think I don't think he debuts this year, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him early next season. And you mentioned his fastball is so stinking good. I mean, when you command the ball as well as he does, I think that he's probably got 70 grade command. And when you've got a fastball that gets up to 99, golly, man, he, you know, when you have that velocity and you can put it where you want to basically at ease. Yep. That's just, that's a scary combination. Yep. It's nuts. And, uh, Chris Welsh, our buddy, he was out at the, the back, the backfields the other day, I guess it was a couple weeks ago at this point. And, uh, he got some film of Kirby throwing. He was sitting 98 to hundred, which is insane. He faced eight batters through two innings and struck out six of them. Two team errors is, is the report that, that Welsh put out. Uh, he did allow a home run to, to Justin Foscue, who's a big prospect riser, I think, this year. He's looked really good so far. But, man, Kirby has been really, really good so far. I think that he'll dominate the minors and really just work his way up. But, man, that's insane. There was, there was a rumor he hit 102 in that outing. That's insanity when you – or that good when you command the ball that well. And his secondaries are good too. He's got, I think the slider is developing. I think the curveballs and at least above average pitch and the changeup has potential to be above average. So, uh, man, the talent level is immense. And I've been aggressive on him as a prospect for a while. And I think I may even be low on him. So it, it wouldn't surprise me at all to be a top, him to be a top 20 pitcher. Yeah. Like I said, I, I kind of wish I ranked him higher than I did. I, I don't have him too much lower. He's in the next group of pitchers here we'll be talking about after the break but yeah this these are the guys you bank on these are the guys you go all in on because these are guys that work out more often than not like the high floor high ceiling guys where there's a lot of other prospects we'll be talking about that have similar ceilings to a guy like george kirby but not many that have the same type of floor so those are the guys you really really bank on that just have the stuff have the command and control and maybe they don't have the elite upside. At least you don't think they do. Like I, I never thought um, Shane Bieber had like elite upside. I thought he was like all right, he's gonna be a pretty good mid rotation guy. But I wish I had this mindset now that I have when you know uh, Bieber was kind of at the same level as Kirby is now. Where I'm like ah, oh, I should rank Bieber a lot higher because the command control and the stuff is just so good. And yeah, you've seen the reports on Kirby this year. The stuff's even gotten better. The fastball's gotten better. Yeah, so the sky's the limit for a guy like George Kirby. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's top 10 at this point um, in, what, 2026 20, or so when we're drafting our teams then. Would not surprise me if he's in that range where we're drafting Giolito and Gallon and guys like that this year. One last name in this range here, Jesus Lazardo. Uh, off to a not great start. The season six starts so far, 579 ERA, 161 whip. K rate is 23.6%, which is uh, a hair above league average, but not the circuit what you want from a guy like Lizardo. You probably want that, you know, a good five or so percent higher on the upper 20s from a guy you drafted as your number two in most cases this year. But, you know, the underlying skills are still, you know, there. The command and control profile is still pretty good, even though the walk rate has jumped to 9.4%. That's very unluzardo like He's never been a 9.5 walk rate guy. He's always been 5 to 6%. And he showed that in his first two years, 65 
I think that's where he is long term. Um, but I wonder, you know, if the K rate, if it's going to stick around 24% or so, then maybe this is, you know, a bit too high for him. But this year, I'm not too worried right now. I'd buy low if possible, um, especially now that he fractured his pinky. I hope he's out for a little bit playing video games, which is the most David Price. In- I said this on 5 Tool earlier when we were recording. This is a David Price injury. Fracturing your pinky while playing video games screams David Price. But anyway, you know, I'm still all in on Lazardo long term. This year, the sinker has been the issue. Like his command on the sinker has been all over the place. He's commanding his curveball very well, change up very well. Four seamer has been all right, but the sinker has been getting hit hard. 343 batting average against. You know, he's not getting really any whiffs on it. It's a 514 slugging. You know, he's already allowed um, a lot of barrels on that pitch as well even though the velocity is only down a little bit. So it's not really a velo issue. It's more of a command issue, leaving the sinker up a lot, which is not good. Um, are you worried at all about Lazardo long-term? I think I, I have him ranked, uh, where do I have him ranked? 15, you have him 17. So I don't think you're too worried long-term, but what are your thoughts on, on Lazardo so far this year? Yeah, I mean, it's been a, a rough year, as you mentioned. It's not the results we expected. I thought he'd take the next step forward. After last year, last year was just kind of a uh, math year. I mean, through 60 innings, 4.12 ERA, 127 whip, strikeout per nine, good walk rate, but you've seen that walk rate tick up this year. I think that he comes back around. I'm not overly concerned, but I just wonder, like, because I originally thought he had, like, borderline SP1 upside. And I'm wondering if that was a little wrong. And I'm wondering if he'll just be like a maybe a back end two. We'll see. I'm not overly concerned. I think he gets back on track. Hopefully he gets healthy. But again, he's still young. He's 23 years old. So there's plenty of time ahead of him for him to figure it out. And we got to remember that most pitchers don't really hit peak until like 27 or 28. So there's a lot of room for him to grow, a lot of time for him to develop. So no, I'm not overly worried. And, and he'll be peak. He's 23 now. So he'll be peak. Uh, right in this time frame we're talking about here. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still pretty high on Lozardo here. I want I want to see that K rate tick back up. He, he has the stuff to do so. Like, he has a good changeup. He has a good breaking ball. Like I mentioned the command on both those pitches has been pretty solid this year. Like you look at, you know, the, the heat maps on those two pitches. They're kind of right where you want them to be. Um, I think he seems to get that sinker back to being a better pitch than it is now, kind of keeping that lower in the zone. He likes to work his fastball higher in the zone um, than he does a sinker. So I think he's got the stuff to get that K rate back up to kind of where we thought it would be and where it was his rookie year. Oh, rookie year was 34.8. Maybe that's a little high. But I think he can get back up into that high 20s range, 28 29%, which is you know getting up into, into the elite territory. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still in on Walker Bueller. So I think you are as well. So if you can buy low right now, especially with the, with the injury that he suffered today. I definitely would look to do so. All right, let's take a quick break here. We got through our top 20. We'll come back on the other side and get through the rest of our top 50. So stick with us. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? 
All right, welcome back from the break. We're talking our top 50 pitchers five years out. We already went through our top 20. And to recap, I guess you forgot, Chris's top 20, Shane Bieber, Walker Buehler, Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole, Lucas Giolito, Brendan Woodruff, Tyler Glasnow, Zach Gallen, Jacob deGrom, Aaron Nola, Jack Flaherty, Trevor Bauer, Mackenzie Gore, Jack Leiter, Max Meyer, Ian Anderson, Jesus Lazardo, Sandy Alcantara, George Kirby, and Shohei Otani. My top 20 was Shane Bieber, Corbin Burns, Walker Bueller, Jacob DeGrom, Garrett Cole, Zach Gowan, Mackenzie Gore, Ian Anderson, Lucas Giolito, Nate Pearson, Tyler Glasnow at 11, Brendan Woodruff, Aaron Nola, Shohei Otani, Jesus Lazardo, Sixto Sanchez, Dustin May, Sandy Alcantara, Matt Manning, and Jack Flaherty. Let's go through our pitchers ranked 21 through 35. Chris, who you got? All right. So starting at 21, I've got Logan Gilbert, another Mariners pitching prospect I mentioned. 22, Luis Castillo. 23, Sixto Sanchez. 24, Jack Leiter's teammate, Kumar Rocker. 25, Asa Lacey. 26, Emerson Hancock. 27, Nate Pearson. 28, Trevor Rogers. 29, Joe Musgrove. 30, Dustin May. 31, Blake Snell. 32, Jose Barrios. 33, Mike Soroka. 34, Luis Severino. And 35, Freddie Peralta. And this is the range where you start seeing a lot of different, not a lot, but more different names. And you'll see a lot of different names. 36 to 50 for us is looking at, looking at our sheet right now because this was really, really difficult to do. We originally were going to do top 25, and then the, that was just too tough. To, all the names you had to leave off. Uh, so we, we bumped it to 50. Um, so this is very difficult. So you see some different names here. Uh, for me, I have Jack Leiter at 21, Emerson Hancock 22, Kumar Rocker, Asa Lacey, Max Meyer at 25, Luis Castillo, Trevor Bauer, Logan Gilbert, Blake Snell, Jose Barrios, Michael Kopech, Lance McCullers Jr., Max Freed, Joe Musgrove, and then there's Joe, George Kirby at 35, who I'm already regretting, not ranking higher. A lot of interesting names in this section. Let's start off with one that's been in the news recently and not for a good reason. Dustin May, who was absolutely cruising to start this year, uh, put on the IL with a uh, arm issue, shoulder arm issue. They haven't really come out and said exactly what it is yet because I don't think they fully know what is the exact issue uh, with Dustin May. They just know it's in that upper arm shoulder area. Um, and he was put on the IL and sounds like he'll get some further uh, evaluation today on Monday with an MRI. Uh, let's start with that, though, first, because um, he was really looking good this year. Like with Dustin May, I've been a little lower than most on May, but I kind of explained my reasoning behind that. And, you know, basically said if that K rate ticks up, if the pitch mix changes, he will move up my rankings. So I think that'll, you know, be a big indicator of his long term success. And that's exactly what he's done this year. He's always been filthy, but with fantasy purposes, you need the strikeouts. You can't be an elite fantasy arm toiling around a 20% strikeout rate, which is what he was in the first two years of his career. 22.7% in 2019, 19.6% in 2020. This year, it's jumped all the way to 38%, which is top 7% of the league. That, I don't think, is sustainable. 
But when you look at the pitch mix change he had this year, he's dropped the sinker usage by around 12 or so percent. The cutter's actually gone down as well, about 6%, even though the cutter is a lethal, lethal pitch for him so far. 154 batting average against, uh, 51.5% whiff rate. And then his curveball, which is, I think that's the big thing here. I wanted to see him throw more curveballs because he has a good curveball. He changed the shape of it a little bit. Um, and now it's gone up to a 45.2% whiff rate, has yet to allow a hit on it. Everything is actual, but on its 056. It's a super, super high spin rate curveball, 3176, 32.7% put away rate. So those two pitches have been absolutely lethal for him this year. Combines to throw those around 40% of the time. Uh, Four-seamer has been pretty solid, but the sinker, even though it has elite movement, has been hit around 297 batting average against, 568 slug. Um, so I had him a little higher. I had him within my top 20 because I believe this K-rate jump is for real, or at least mostly for real. Chris has him in this range. Uh, Chris, you know, outside of the injuries, hopefully, hopefully this is just a minor thing and he'll get back on track here in you know a few weeks or a month or and a half or so. What have been your thoughts on Dustin May this year with, with the pitch mix change? And do you believe that you know he can be a uh, fantasy ace type guy if this continues? I don't know if I'll go to that level, but I think he can be really solid SP2. Uh, I think the biggest thing that you mentioned is the drop in his sinker usage. And this is the same trend that Aaron Nola kind of did. And Nola early in his career was heavy sinkers, low strikeouts. And as Nola used his sinker less and less, we saw the strikeout numbers tick up. And this is the same path I want Mike Soroka to follow also, who's pretty sinker heavy. I'd love to see Soroka follow this path and using the sinker less and pitch more for strikeouts because I think sinkers kind of are ground ball type pitches. Like that's kind of what you go for with, with the sinker. And when you're using it near 50% of the time, I think that's a little heavy. And so, you know, last year we see May's sinker usage at 51.4% this year at 39.3. That's definitely encouraging. He's using, used the curveball more, the four seam up more. And so those are the things you like to see with it. I mean, the curveball is his primary strikeout pitch. The four seam is also a solid strikeout pitch. And so I'm encouraged. I, I definitely am. Last year, I thought he was just a pretty gifable pitcher. And, you know, one of those guys everybody wants to <laughs> see. Pretty gifable. On, yeah, <laughs> a guy you want on Pitching Ninja. But, no, I do think that he's making tangible changes that you want to see. And so I'm encouraged. I think that as long as he stays healthy, I'm praying. He doesn't need Tommy John or something. But – He'd be fine. I think he's still young. He's 23 years old. So down the road, no reason why he can't still be performing the high level. And I think an SP2 would be a reasonable guess on him. And I'll admit, like, if he does turn into that and he sustains what he's doing, like, I'll admit to being wrong. So I had him ranked really low prior to the season just because I didn't think that the strikeout upside was there. Yep. I, I'm 100% there with you. And I'm, I'm glad to see the carry tick up. People think I hated Dustin May. I didn't. I just didn't. I hated his carry. It was what I hated. Uh, but now that his carry is ticked up, so is my ranking of Dustin May. And so hopefully this doesn't turn into a long-term issue. Now, a lot of other interesting names in this range. We had a lot of prospects, a lot of young names uh, in this range, more so than others. A couple more Seattle pitching prospects here. Uh, Logan Gilbert and Emerson Hancock. I have Hancock 22 and Gilbert 28. Chris flip-flopped his Gilbert 21 and Hancock, 26. You know, I legit think that all three of these guys, including George Kirby, could be top 15 caliber pitchers. They all have that type of upside. And 
even though it's kind of telling that we both have Kirby number one, even though I think he's third out of these three in my prospect rankings right now, that could be changing soon. If especially if you keep getting these reports out of him in the minor leagues, like the one we you mentioned with from uh, our buddy Chris Welsh, you know, with Gilbert and Hancock, do you think there's ace upside with those two as well for fantasy purposes? I would say Gilbert probably more than Hancock, but I think they could definitely be SP twos. I think there's more than capable of that. And I think Hancock, he struggled the year before he got drafted or the year he got drafted after looking like an ace at Georgia prior. And so, you know, I'm not overly concerned. I think he can get back to form. Haven't heard a lot of what he's done since being drafted, but we'll see him real quick. I mean, minor league season starts up this week, which is exciting. And so that'll be good. And, uh, We'll see him down there actually pitching with Kirby, which is interesting. But Gilbert, I think we still see Gilbert up by you know, the end of May at worst case. They're building him up. We're going to see a couple starts in AAA. He's going to come up. He's ready to perform. He's got the upside. I think that you know high NSP2 is a likely outcome. I won't say likely because that's a lofty expectation, but it's, he's capable of doing it. And Hancock also, very, very talented pitcher with a great arsenal of pitches. Solid command. We'll see if that comes back a little bit. He did struggle with that some in his last year prior to being drafted. So we'll see how that comes around. But now this trio of arms is extremely talented and you should be excited about it. I'm jealous as a Red Sox fan. Yeah, we have some good prospects, but I'm jealous of what Seattle has going on. Have guys like Jared Kalnick and Julio Rodriguez, Novi Marte, and this trio of arms, especially the trio of arms. Like, I would kill to have one of these three in the Red Sox system right now. Who's our best pitching prospect? Tanner Houck, uh, Jake Room, who hasn't pitched in 14 years. Uh, then you got guys like Thad Ward and stuff like that. Brian Mata, uh, more so like number four or five guys rotation long term. So I would kill to have just give us, give me one, give me Hancock or give me Gilbert. Give me one of these guys for the Red Sox. All three of these guys are going to be really, really good long term. Uh, another interesting name that we both have here, I have him 23, you have him 24, is arguably the most famous name in college baseball right now, Kumar Rocker from Vanderbilt, big dude. I think he's like 6'5", 250 in that general range. When comparing him kind of to the Gilberts and the Hancocks and the Kirbys of the world, do you think he has a better chance to be a top 10 guy, or do you think those guys have better chances? Um, I, I would say they're probably pretty equal. Uh, I think Gilbert might get the edge for command by now, but you know, Rocker's got a great arsenal. He's got a great fastball as well, which is exciting. I mean, you look at him and Rocker and or him and Leiter, and they're just the, the one-two punch that Andy has is insane, and the pitchers behind them are insane too. They're gonna, they got this freshman Christian Little who's going to be an absolute stud as well. But man, you know, you can't argue with what Rocker's done this year, and it, it might even be considered a slight down year from some, but he's still had a 1.7 ERA so far. He's 10 and one on the year in 69 innings. Absolutely dominant. He's got 97 strikeouts, just filthy. The walks have gotten better. The command has improved, which we'll see if that sticks because that's a big sign. I mean, you know, you look at him in 2019, he walked 1.9 batters per nine. Last year, again, we only got three starts because of the shortened season, but he did walk nearly five batters in nine. But to see it back down is encouraging. So if he can keep that up, I think he's more than capable of being a top 10 arm. So those are the things you look for and you like to see, but Rocker's arsenal is more than capable of you know, 
putting him at that level. He's got a fantastic fastball slider combo and the changeups developing. So I'm a huge fan. Uh, I think that he's, he, he could honestly, you could probably flip flop him in lighter in my rankings and I wouldn't argue with you. So they're both very, very good. Absolutely. You know who he reminds me of? Who I just, I don't know how to think of this comp before. He's very similar to a guy that I ranked top 10 and we talked about earlier, Nate Pearson. Big guy. They're both in that kind of that same body type range. Big fastball, big slider. You know, the rest of the arsenal is, you know, the change up for him and the change up and curveball for Pearson are good, but could use some refinement. Uh, I think there's a lot of similarities between Rocker and Pearson. So I think, in terms of the star stud upside, I think there's a little higher chance for Kumar Rocker as opposed to an Emerson Hancock or Logan Gilbert, um, who I love. I love those guys. Obviously, I think they're going to be top 25 arms, SP2s for fantasy purposes. But, yeah, I think Rocker could be that guy, especially if he gets that fastball, you know, a little, you know, the velo more consistent. I know he had some velo issues, but looks like those have been corrected. So I think, yeah, the sky's the limit for Kumar Rocker. I would love – there's a chance he follows the, the Red Sox at four. I would be absolutely ecstatic if that happens because – I think I think both him and Leiter are absolute studs. Like I said, Vanderbilt is just an absolute factory. They're like the UConn women's basketball team of college baseball. Like if someone goes to UConn women's basketball program, you know that she's going to be pretty damn good. Like same thing if they want a guy at Vanderbilt, you know that you know that guy's probably going to be pretty damn good once they get their hands on him. So um, yeah, definitely uh, love Kumar Rocker here as well. Uh, let's move on to the 36 through 50 range. And this is where it really, really gets interesting here. Chris, who do you have 36 through 50? All right. Yeah, this is where it gets fun. I think this is where you kind of just throw some darts, honestly. And you hate to say that as we rank players, but there's a lot of dart throws here. They could go a lot of ways. Some could end up ranked much higher. Some might not be ranked at all. But all right, 36 is Pablo Lopez. 37 is Alec Manoa. 38, Noah Syndergaard, Thor, 39, Dylan Bundy, 40, Julio Urias, 41, Michael Kopech, 42, Tony Gonsolin, 43, Herman Marquez, 44, Chris Sale, 45, Framber Valdez, 46, Aaron Savale, 47, Casey Mize, 48, Matthew Allen, 49, another Matthew, Matt Manning, and 50, Luis Patino. How about you? Who you got? <laughs> I got some similar names here, but um, and then some other names. I got 36. I have Luis Patino, Spencer Howard at 37, Julio Urias, 38, Trevor Rogers, 39, Mick Abel at 40. I could not not have Mick Abel <laughs> in here. Uh, I would hate myself if I did not have him in here. 41, Luis Severino, who is really hard to rank. I moved him around a few different spots, including not even having him at all. But I think the upside uh, that he's shown warrants him being in here. Uh, and you had him, where'd you have, you had him in here somewhere, didn't you? Yeah, let's see. Uh, I had I'm him in the previous tier. Oh, 34 uh, right there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he. I think the upside definitely warrants his inclusion in here. 42, Freddy Peralta, who Chris had in at 35. You know, huge strikeout arm. Some command issues. He's, he's almost kind of like where Corbin Burns was a year ago but doesn't quite have the pitch. I don't think he's going to make a Corbin Burns type of job. He doesn't have the same arsenal as Corbin Burns, but definitely elite strikeout arm. I have Matthew Allen at 43. I think, you know, both Chris and I are very, very high 
on Matthew Allen. So no surprise that we both had him here. 44, Grayson Rodriguez. 45, Shane McClanahan, um, who I was very, very impressed with in his debut outing. That fastball slider combination is really, really good. Um, he's hitting upper 90s, touching 100 with that fastball with movement. The plus slider, you know, the other two pitches are, you know, average to above average as well. That curveball could be plus if he gets a better feel for it. He hasn't really used it a lot. He hasn't really had to use it a lot. So very, very impressed with Shane McClanahan. And the fact that he's sounds like he's going to be used as a starter and not as an opener or reliever, at least for now, kind of makes me feel better about doing this. Uh, Daniel Lynch, 46, who just got called up about, hour before we came on the air tonight connor prelip uh lefty out of alabama uh, who's kind of one of the guys in the running for top overall player in 2022 draft i uh, threw him in here at 47 pablo lopez 48 tyler malley um 49 and noah Syndergaard at 50 this was really this was probably my toughest section because you had to leave out some really, really good names, some young names, some prospect names here. Um, let's start with Daniel Lynch because he just got called up. I got to see Lynch, an abbreviated Lynch outing. So it was, you know, the, he was starting the 2019 Arizona Fall League Fall Stars game when he went, I think, just an inning or maybe it was two innings. I forget. I have to look back, but looked really, really good. And he just looked really good in his minor leagues career in general you know big lefty can sit mid 90s can touch upper 90s he was touching 100 in that abbreviated outing just because he's he knew he's only going an inning or two so he was kind of ramped up a bit but elite fastball uh really good secondary offering slider is probably around plus um also throws a good pretty solid change that's coming along as well so i think he can be a close to a 30 percent k guy even though he hasn't really shown that type of bat missing ability. I think the arsenal um, is just going to continue to miss bats and that K rates are continuing to tick up and up. So I think he'll get up to near 30% K rates. And um, the command and control was pretty solid as well. So really everything that you could want from a guy um, to be a potential frontline starter, or at least a number two type guy uh, is there. And I think he's up for good uh, as long as he pitches well, because I think Kansas city has shown that they are okay promoting aggressively especially with their arms. They've shown that. Um, Bubich didn't really pitch well, which is why he got sent back down. But Singer's been up to stay. I think Lynch will be up to stay as well. What are your thoughts, Chris, on Daniel Lynch? And we both had him in here. Where did you have Lynch? I forget. Uh, got him just out. Uh, oh, you had him just, just outside. That's right. But we both have him right around 50, give or take here. Um, so what are your thoughts on Daniel Lynch long term? Oh, no, I'm definitely a big fan of him. He's very talented. You think you mentioned he's got a good arsenal of four pitches. He's maybe actually five pitches. I'm sorry. He's got improved command that I think the command could probably be plus very impressive stuff there. Strikeout stuff. We'll see. He's been kind of fluctuating, you know, throughout his career as far as strikeout numbers, but if he can stick near like a 28 to 30% K rate and walk like 6%, I think the talents definitely there for him to be a great arm. You mentioned he's got fastball slider that are, you know, above average to plus pitches, curveballs, a solid pitch, changeups developing. He's got a cutter as well. So I like those a lot. Great arsenal. It'll be curious. I'll be watching to see if he misses bats. I think that's the biggest thing is if he yeah. can miss bats. So we'll be watching that closely as he's now called up and he's making his debut, which will be very exciting. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully well, because we love to see these prospects come up and succeed. So I'm so excited for, for Lynch to make this debut. 
Absolutely, as am I. Um, been a name I've loved ever since his days at Virginia. Love, love the arm, love the stuff. Like you mentioned, the five pitches. I see that fastball slider combination leading the way. Yes, he's definitely, I think, could be one that really rises up rankings. And if he's available, go out and get him in redraft leagues as well. I know we don't talk redraft leagues in here, but just go out and get him. Um, the upside's worth it. If it doesn't work out, fine. You use it as like a, you know, you drop him and go on to another streamer or another prospect, whoever it may be. But um, another interesting name in this range for you that I had in the previous range here, Michael Kopech. And I think we've talked about him before where, you know, we weren't sure how he was going to be used long-term. And, you know, this, the, the floor was kind of a lot lower on him than we would like, but the upside is obviously there. So I think we both think that Kopech has got to figure it out and be a pretty elite arm here moving forward. So are you just, you know, was him getting that start and looking good? Was it last week, week before Did that ease some of your concerns about him moving forward? Yeah, I think so. And He's shown much improved command this year, which is awesome to see. And you know, the walk yeah. rate is down. Because in the minors, he was ticking anywhere from ten to fifteen percent, which was, you know, kind of scary. The strikeout rates, you know, he's going to be a monster. I'm definitely pleased with the progress he's made, and I think that he could probably make this ranking that I have look pretty silly. I think he could be much higher if yeah, these kind of numbers stick. You know, he's more than capable of being a probably an ace. I think he's got ace upside. If you're looking at pitchers that just have that kind of upside, but the floor is pretty low as well. But yeah, I think that he's more than capable and I'm excited. I hope this progress continues. Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned that the command and control has looked a little better here. And if that can continue to tick forward, I agree. I am 31. And I think that might even be too low. Like he definitely has fantasy ace upside. He misses enough bats. The carrots could be elite. And like I said before, I was more upset about losing him and the Chris Seale deal years ago than I was with losing Yohan Moncada. And I still am that same way to this day. I think Kopech has higher upside in general. Um, so very interesting there. One I wanted to ask you about, a couple I wanted to ask you about here that I didn't have. Uh, you have Dylan Bundy at 39 and Herman Marquez at 43. So kind of take us through what your reasoning was behind including those those two guys in your top 50 here. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, Bundy made a major step forward last season. You know, he got out of Baltimore. He looked absolutely dominant in Los Angeles. And, you know, he's been decent this year. I won't say he's been great. He's got a 4-2 ERA in 30 innings, but the peripherals look good. He's got a, a 3-4-6 here and a 3-9-9 fifth, which is always encouraging. The strikeout rate's actually up from last year, and the walk rate is just right in line with what he did last year. So some encouraging signs still. I think that the ERA, we see it tick back down. You know, he's only 28 years old. He doesn't have a ton of mileage on his arm, and I could totally see this progression sticking. And if it does, then, you know, I don't. I think this ranking would be fine. I don't see him being like a, a top 20 arm by any means or, you know, even really top 30 probably. But, you know, this range I feel comfortable having him at. And I think that, you know, he'll just be a solid guy. I think he's not going to be like a, a standout on your team, but he's going to be a solid pitcher that you need in your rotation to give you kind of a, a decent floor. And I think that the floor is a little higher than it, we once thought it was, which is encouraging. And so, again, we'll see if this kind of progression sticks. But from what I've seen so far this year, I'm, I'm encouraged that he can take that or he can keep that step that he took forward from last season and then you mentioned Herman Marquez, and this is a tough one, man. I really hope that he gets out of Colorado because, <laughs> man, you know, even the splits this year aren't great. And some he's like a weird unicorn where sometimes he just pitches so well 
in cores and you don't get it, but he's very talented. I don't know. I'd argue that he could be a lot higher if he did get out of cores, because I think that the talent level's there and we haven't seen it. You know, he's been okay, but not great the last several years, but prior Man, I just thought that he could have been like a top 20 starting pitcher despite course, which is, you know, that seems a little crazy in my opinion. But, you know, he's got a 4-1-3 ERA right now. He's rocking about a strikeout per nine, which is back up. Last year he was down a little bit strikeout-wise. And so he's capable of going deep into games too, which is what I like to see. He's got a, you know, solid frame, solid arm. And I'm just hoping this stuff sticks and he can keep going deep into games. Maybe he gets out of Colorado who knows where he ends up, but I think the talent level's more than there. We saw that breakout back in 2018, and I'm hoping he can get back to that kind of level, and we'll see. It's kind of a wild card pick, but you know, if it if he does leave and he get gains some of these uh, things back, I think he'll be very solid. Yeah, there's a lot of, of question marks in this range, a lot of what ifs, and you know, projection obviously because we're going five years out, and this is the back end of our top 50. Um, lastly, here. The Detroit trio, the big three-headed pitching project monster in Detroit. I guess two of them aren't projects anymore. Uh, Matt Manning, Casey Mize, and Tariq Skubal. You had Casey Mize in here at 47, and you had Matt Manning at 49. Did not rank Tariq Skubal. Same with me. I did not rank Tariq Skubal here either. Um, Mize just missed for me. Uh, I just wonder what the the K rate is going to be with him. If it'll be high enough, I think it'll be very solid arm, very reliable fantasy arm. I just wonder if the K rate will be high enough to get up there, especially with all these other names we have on here. That's not slight the mice. This is so many good names on this list. But with me, I had Matt Manning nineteen, and let me just kind of defend that a minute here because I I know I'm the higher person on Manning around now. Um, I'm sure there's some that are as high as me, but some of those have kind of backed off a little bit. Maybe I think there's some more weep list there, which I see. Um, I'm not saying I don't see it, but just seeing Manning live 2019, all the video I've watched on him, I think he has, if he can rein in the changeup and continue to develop that and refine the command of it more so, I think there's three plus pitches there. That changeup flashes plus movement. Uh, he threw some really, really good ones. He sees the harness it more, get a better feel for it, which again, it's a pitch that he didn't used to throw a tall curveball. I, I lo- would love to see him add. I think a cutter would be absolutely devastating for Matt Manning or something, maybe even a slider or something like that. The curveball and fastball are already plus offerings, curveball double plus. So when it comes to these three, you know, Detroit arms, I think he's got the him and Scooball both have a ton of K upside, but Manning has the much better all-run arsenal, in my opinion, better breaking stuff. I mean, off-speed stuff, I should say. And then he just has a much higher, probably has a lower floor than Mize, but I think this upside is there. So I think he's going to be a big-time strikeout source, and I think he's going to get that changeup better. And I think he's going to be, you know, three-pitch monster. And if he can add another fourth pitch in there, like I said, cutter, slider, sinker, something like that. I think he's going to be that much better, but um, you, we both don't have Tariq Scooball in here. Are you kind of um, concerned there's some relief risk with Scooball, or, or is it more so the arsenal for you that kept him out? For me, it was kind of a combination of both, right? Like I do think there's some relief risk there, but I think he's just to be a high K guy, but the ratios maybe won't be great. Maybe like he's a, 
poor man's Gio Gonzalez back when Gio Gonzalez was pretty good, like a decade ago. I see some similarities there, but just so you know, the ratios aren't really as low as we would hope. Is that kind of where you were thinking with Rick Scooball as well? Yeah. And I, crazy enough, I think there's some, you know, Robbie Ray esque stuff. Well, like, yeah. When, when you look at it, like velo movement, arsenal types things, which, you know, I hope that we don't, that's not his final outcome, but I think there's probably some more relief risk than people are, are willing to admit. And the strikeouts have been down a little bit this year, which is, you know, even more concerning. He's given up a lot of hard contact. I don't know. You struggle with know what to do with him, but he's still young. So you got to give him time. He's only 24. It's possible he jumps back on this list, but we'll see. I think he's still a work in progress, but there is some relief risk here. And then you mentioned Manning. I think Manning has a chance to be the best of the bunch, in my opinion. Mize is still struggling to be a major league arm. And Mize has had some injury problems in the past. And it wouldn't surprise me to see him struggle again, too. So I have Mize ahead right now in this. But don't be surprised at all if Manning takes that leap, which you know I think he's more than capable of. So a talented trio of arms, but the final results, hard to say. I don't know where and what they look like down the road. We'll see. Yeah, I think Mize definitely has the highest floor of the bunch. I think that's pretty easy to say. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how these three kind of pan out five years down the road. They're, they all should be viable fantasy arms. Just how good will they be is really the question here. Um, all right, real quick, because we're getting a little long here on time. Some notable omissions and some dark horses here. We'll start with the notable omissions. Um, some ones that we both threw on here, like Clayton Kershaw, you uh, Darvish, Lance Lynn, Strasburg, Plezak, uh, Max Scherzer, Sonny Gray, Mike Clevenger. You know, these are both you know guys that we both put on here as notable omissions on the list here that just missed. Chris, who are out of this group? Who was like the one or two guys that were the hardest to omit here from this top fifty for you? Uh, probably Kershaw. He's he's older, but then again, you mean he could be pitching at a decent level at that age. I don't know. It's hard to say. And a lot of these guys are age-related. I bet Max Scherzer's going to be retired five years down the road. Sony yeah. Gray's one. You know, he's. I think he's 30 or 31, so he'll be a little younger, which, yeah, you say that. I feel like he should be. I feel like he's like 28, not 31. But, you know, right. Mike Clevenger's another one. He's, his age has kind of snuck up on us. So these guys just kind of hard to, to miss. And Zach Plesak's one as well, who – you know, some people were all in on police act this year, Adam. It's like a top 20 arm, even even higher by some. And I don't know. He's just not been great this year. So it's hard to admit him because I think the talent level is there. But we'll see what to do with him. He's he's a kind of question mark, but I did leave him out. And he could be one that jumps back in. I mean, he did throw five point or five and two thirds shutout innings today. I guess that would be yesterday as you're listening to this against the White Sox, which was encouraging. So maybe he's taking that step back forward. So we'll see how it goes. But yes, he was one that was you know younger one that was hard to leave out. Most of these were just age related omissions. Yeah. And for me, I think the two hardest were yeah, Kershaw. He'll be like what 37 or so, but the same age as Max Scherzer is now. It feels like Kershaw is older, doesn't it? Like he's only like 32 and a half or yeah. something like that. It feels like he should be like 36 already with how long he's been around. Right. But I still think he'll be pretty good. I just wonder the age, the you know, the injuries he has, and these don't get better with age. Like it's just get it's really back issues. They don't get better with age. So I just wonder how how much he's pitching them. Like, um, if is he only like 
120 inning guy. I don't know. It's hard to say how he's going to look then in, when he's age 37, 38. I had him in originally, ended up bumping him out. So he's probably my one of my first cuts here. So that was definitely the hardest one. Another one, hard one for me, uh, well, Chris Sale was too because he's a Red Sox ace, and I think he's still going to be an elite strikeout guy. But, again, how does he look then? He's had some elbow injuries and the throwing motion. I don't see him being a guy that's dominating into his mid to late 30s, at least not consistently. I think he'll still show flashes because he has the stuff. But I just don't think he'll be that every start ace type guy uh, getting into his mid to late thirties with all the injuries and that throwing motion. It just, I just don't see that happening. He was a hard one. And then Mike Soroka, I know Chris had him somewhere in the low thirties. I think he was one hard one for me. I just don't see the K rate getting there. Like you mentioned kind of similarities between him and Dustin may. I just don't think the, the stuff is as good with, with Soroka. I think he's, he's got a good sinker and, you know, good slider. I just don't, I just don't know. If he, even if he makes that adjustment, I think the cable can tick up, but I don't know if we'll see it to the point where Dustin May is. I think Dustin May is just like Mike Soroka on steroids. And um, I think when he has that, that cutter and the curveball, I just don't see Soroka getting quite to that level. And if his K rate doesn't tick up and he's just more like a, a solid ratios guy, um, I think he's going to be, you know, SP four or five, something like that but not more of an SP two or three though. He could, I think there's definitely a chance that he makes that Dustin may progression and gets the K rate up there. We'll see. I'm just not quite as confident in him making that rate, uh, that jump, I should say in K rate as I was with Dustin may around a year ago or so. Um, some dark horses here, uh, Chris, who, who are your 10 dark horses? And if you could, you could pick one of these guys to have the best chance of jumping up until let's say the, Top 25, who would that be? All right, so I got Simeon Woods Richardson, Ryan Weathers, Forrest Whitley, Quinn Priester, Grayson Rodriguez, Ryan Cusick, who is a Wake Forest arm. He'll be in the draft this summer. Daniel Lynch, Dalton Jeffries, Slade Siani, and Chris Rodriguez. And I am actually going to take Chris Rodriguez. His arm that can make a huge Not the one I thought you were going to say. Yeah, there, there's a real chance that he ends up an elite closer too. Like he could go either way. And I think the upside's there for him to be. So Chris Rodriguez would be my pick. And if not, then I'm going to go with Simeon Woods Richardson, who I think is going to just really explode this year. He's still young, but man, he's, he's extremely solid. He's really developing and coming into his own. I think he, he'll arguably be a, a top 50 overall prospect and, you know, one of the top pitching prospects in the game this year. So Simeon Woods Richardson, Chris Rodriguez, both those guys, I think, can make a big step forward. Who do you think I was taking? I thought you were going to go like Grayson Rodriguez or, or yeah. Priest or something like that. Maybe yeah. Daniel both, Lynch. Both of them yeah. are more than capable. I agree. Yeah, you, you surprised me. I, and I, I like Chris Rodriguez too. I definitely agree that this, this stuff is there for um, pretty good value one way or the other. But yeah, you, you definitely surprised me with that pick. Um, <laughs> so my 10 dark horses here. Uh, I'll start with a couple of prep arms from this upcoming draft. Chase Petty, Jackson Joe, both as electric arms. Uh, they'd be very early in their career here, but the upside with both of them is off the charts. So I figured I'd throw them in there. I think there's a chance. Ryan Cusick, as Chris had as well. Sam Bachman um, of Miami of Ohio, elite stuff type of guy, probably going first round uh, in July here. Uh, Daniel Espino, Hunter Green, 
Simeon, Woods, Richardson, Forrest Whitley, and Quinn Priester. So we had some, you know, five or six that overlap here. I think if I had to pick one with the best chance, I think I'd go Daniel Espino. I just love that Arsenal. So free. It's one of my top five favorite Arsenals in terms from pitching prospects right now. Just the four potential above average to plus pitches, fastball, curveball, slider, changeup, elite bat missing ability. It looks like the command and control, which is still a work in progress. It looks like that has made some developments. And he's in an absolutely perfect system to maximize that and uh, maximize the arsenal and, and get that command and control up. I say he's in Cleveland. You know, it's the two, three systems I feel most confident in developing pitching prospects are Cleveland, the Dodgers, and Tampa Bay. And he's in Cleveland. So feel really good about that. Just that system with the stuff. Uh, I think he has a potential to be an absolute stud. So I think he has the highest, uh, highest percent chance of this group of 10 to get up in the top 25 long term. But all right, that's going to wrap up this episode. We hope that everyone enjoyed it and that it was beneficial to you in your dynasty leagues. Again, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at Aircross04. Chris is at RotoClegg, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. Make sure to check out our Patreon and all of the great written work at FantraxHQ.com. We'll be back with you all again next week with more dynasty and prospect talk. But until then, everyone take care. Want to create a breakthrough gene therapy or life-saving vaccine? Pioneer Aerospace Excellence? Take your hospitality tech brand international? Montgomery County, Maryland is where you can do all that and more. Use our ideal location next to D.C. Diverse world-class talent and our vast business resources to be the next company to make your mark and transform the world. Visit bnext.thinkmoco.com. That's bnext.thinkmoco.com to learn how we can help you create something remarkable.